episode 52, where you'll learn how to build your business and sell it. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name's Christy, and I'm your host. As always, today we have a very exciting guest with us. Now, today I am pleased to have Mike Sutton on the show. Now, Mike is the owner of Mobilitex. It's an IT management service that serves the eastern Pennsylvania area. Now, he's been in business for six years doing Mobilitex, but he has decades of IT experience. And on top of that, he's a great communicator, so I know you're going to love hearing what he has to say. He's here to share the story of starting his local business, the lessons he's learned along the way, and just recently, Mike is in the process of selling his business. So he's also going to have some tips on what you can do if you're thinking about selling your business to get in front of the whole process. So, Mike, welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to have you here today. Thanks, Christy. I'm super excited to be here. Excellent. Well, now, I've given just a real small little bio of you, and it may or may not have been what you would say about yourself, but uh, but can we kind of start with the story of you and maybe anything personally, professionally, any of your background that you think it would be important for us to know as we hear your story. I thought your introduction was great, but yeah, there there, there is a longer story and I guess uh, <laughs> it keeps getting longer and longer every time I think yes. back on it. It? <laughs> it does. The older we get, that's what happens. <laughs> Starting to feel that these days. But exactly. um, yeah, I started back in the uh, professionally in the Marine Corps. Uh, 1993, got my training in electronics and spent five years in the Marine Corps. Got to live in Hawaii with my beautiful wife. Oh. It was a dream, dream assignment. Worked out really well. Absolutely. And uh, that got me started in electronics. And when I got out of the Marine Corps, I kind of taught myself programming and computer repair and had worked for a couple small companies when I first got out as a temp and as an employee. Uh, but kind of just kept looking at the situation thinking, well, these guys can run a company. I could run a company at least as well as they do. So I'll just go start my own company. And so started doing freelancing and started doing uh, consulting from what I know, like most business owners that I meet. Um, got my degree from the University of Delaware in health behavior management while I was already self-employed, had my son at the same time. So that was a pretty busy couple of years. Wow. And have been mostly self-employed or running my own companies or working as a freelancer ever since. Uh, this company that I have right now, Mobilitex, is an IT support company. I've uh, been running for the past six years, and one of the things that I learned uh, throughout the entire process is that the skills that made me good at fixing computers weren't the same skills that would make me good at being the owner of a business that fixed computers. Ah, gotcha. And not only the sales and marketing stuff, but just like the self-confidence and, and communication skills and, and things like that. And as I started talking about that more at my local networking groups, other business owners would start asking me questions more about that stuff than about the computer stuff. So I've also now started doing coaching and I have my podcast that I've started. And so moving in all kinds of new directions from here. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we would, you know, we would expect somebody that owns an IT business to have a lot of, um, I don't want to say cutting edge tricks or whatever, but, you know, to have 
have the technology curve a lot better down than a lot of the small business owners because that is something that some local businesses really struggle with is where technology fits in. And I know you see it with the clients you work with all the time. So I'm glad we kind of have you here to pick your brain a little bit about some things that we might be experiencing. Now, when you started your business, you started it kind of freelancing. Can you kind of talk about how it was when you started and maybe how it's involved, uh, evolved because I think a lot of times our businesses kind of take a different turn than we anticipate and just kind of want to see how it's changed from the six years since you got started. Yeah, well, it's changed a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and this past six years, really kind of an evolution from the, from the five or six years before that too when I was running similar businesses. Um I guess the, the, the main things that, that I recognized was that you, I had to, like I said, go from being an employee to being a, a business owner. And probably even before that, I, I guess I probably started even a little bit more as a hobbyist, right? Where I was mm-hmm. doing this and not losing more money that I was making. Uh, right. started to understand my costs a little bit, started to understand my value a little bit and started charging a little bit more. So then I built myself a job, but not a job where I could replace myself or have any saleable value. So mm-hmm. then I had to raise prices a little bit more, understand my value a little bit more and finally become that business owner. And it's really been on the business side, the, the, the technical side. Uh, and I'm sure everybody feels this way about their industry. The, the, the thing that they do is the thing that's easiest for them. It's right. the marketing and sales and accounting and leadership mm-hmm. and human resources and all that stuff that's, that's hard because that's not what we're yeah. trained to do. And it, not like we, not like what we like to do most of the time either is the accounting and the hard stuff. You know, that's that's not our, where we're drawn. We're drawn to what we do, and that's great. Sure, but that's that's the business side of it. Yeah. Otherwise, we just have a job doing what it is that we're best at. Um, and, and being able to learn and embrace that, I think, was really valuable for me. Now, let me ask you this, because I know you um, and, and we'll talk some about um, how you use different mediums in your your marketing and that sort of thing in a little bit. But I know um, you said you were involved in some local networking groups, and I wanted you to kind of talk a little bit. You know, if there's a business owner out there that is working to get their, you know, get their business off the ground and get it going. Uh, we kind of want to direct them to some of the resources within their communities that they might not have thought about getting involved in that could be a help. So what did you find helpful within your community whenever you were trying to get your business off the ground? Early on, the training and support available from the Small Business Development Center was really useful. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't remember where the one was in Delaware that I went to, but there's one at Kutztown mm-hmm. University here local to me now. And okay. I think they're generally associated either with universities or libraries, but you can probably okay. find a local chapter in whatever area you, you're in. Uh, mm-hmm. Score also a pretty valuable resource. I hear that again and again, I, and I, I love that. Yeah, I didn't use it extensively, but I, I did go a couple times and found that to be really helpful because they connect you with a mentor who's got more business experience. And Yeah. And I was going to say that's helpful just for some people that don't have that mentor or that other kind of longer term business relationship with somebody that could help lead them in that direction. So I love that. So you did uh, small business resources score and anything else? You've got some local networking groups there that are. I think with the networking groups and with a lot of the other resources since then, the emphasis really shifted on towards what I could make of it. I, I mm-hmm. talk to a lot of business owners who think they just go to networking events and get referrals. And if it doesn't work that way, they get frustrated. But uh, when you go to a networking event, you're going there to develop relationships, not to close sales. So right. how do you 
take responsibility for educating and developing the relationship and providing value to the people that you want then something back from. But it's not just an automatic, you show up there and get referrals situation. <laughs> At least sure. That's not my yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And I think, yeah, you're right, having the right expectations when you go in because you're right, nobody's going to close a sale or it would be a rare thing to happen to close a sale at a networking thing. But de- building and developing that network can lead to the sales or the referrals and that sort of thing. So I think that's good to mention. Now, you also, I know from um, – from doing my research, <laughs> that you also have some um, mastermind groups. And I believe you've got some that you run or you've got some that you're participating in. Can you kind of talk a little bit about how that's been helpful in dealing with your business? Um, I've, I've gone – I've used coaches. I've, I've gone to be a member of mastermind groups throughout my mm-hmm. career, and that's been really valuable to me as a participant. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then over and over again, I'd find myself in peer leadership positions and leadership positions within the groups. And so I just kind of started some of my own groups locally. And mm-hmm. it's a really great way to provide value. It's a great way to bring like-minded people together who could end up being good prospects for your business. Uh, it's a great way to get additional perspectives, uh, to hear, connect with the market, hear about what their problems are, what kind of solutions they're looking for. And for me personally, I just love, you know, learning new things and and getting exposed to new ideas. And it's so valuable for me to be able to go out into those groups and and talk through business problems that I have because I don't have a lot of friends who are business owners. And so if if I just go hang out with the friends that I grew up with, they don't they don't associate with the same kind of problems that I'm dealing with at work. And and I don't associate with the kinds of problems that they're dealing with at work. Um, I, I need to be around other business owners. I need to be around other successful people who are, who are creating and growing their businesses. And I find that mastermind groups a great way to kind of bring those together. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. On the side of there might be a person who maybe doesn't really even know what a mastermind group is or even what the purpose of them would be. Can you kind of tell us how, like, you went about kind of – getting the ball rolling with that because a lot of people don't have a a lot of good support in their um, local community and they might be wanting to be the driving factor but really don't know where to get started. Do you have any tips for them? Mine all largely came, the groups that I started came from my other networking groups where I met people who I felt I had something in common with uh, and I would just invite them to get together in a smaller group outside of that. Um, Some of my group Group coaching classes came from promoting the coaching services, talking about business development, marketing, sales issues, the stuff that I learned, developing my own business over time and trying to share that experience with other business owners. So some of the groups uh, came from, from, the, from, from that by trying to give people something to move into on an ongoing basis from the initial training. Um, but it, it, a lot of that did come from the networking. Gotcha. And I think that's good. You know, even when you – even if you you go to these things as a participant, I, I have recently moved to a new area of the country and I'm just now starting to try to get connected into that the local business networks and just getting out and meeting people. And before you know it, someone introduces you to someone else that turns out to be, you know, extremely helpful in your business, but you wouldn't have known them had you not known the other connector. And, you know, that that whole connection of the network is valuable if you 
give it time and let it grow. And, you know, you're not going to go to one networking event or one mastermind and walk away with every everything you need for your business. But that's why you keep building on it over time. So I love that you're doing um, a lot of stuff to try to get in with your local business network, even though you're doing a lot of stuff online as well. So I love that. And the other side of that is be picky about what groups that you're in. Go to the groups ah. that are going to provide some return for you. You got to take responsibility for cultivating that. But if you're not getting anything out of a group, don't waste time doing it. I think it's easy for a lot of business owners to feel like going to a networking event is working on their business. Uh, but a lot yeah. of times it can just be a way for us to keep ourselves busy and not do the hard work. True. And and you you at the same time, once you get to a certain point, you sh you might have enough invitations or opportunities to go to these things that you really do have to selectively say no Absolutely. and find out that you're saying no more than you're saying yes. It's probably not going to hurt your business when you get to that point. <laughs> <Yeah. either. laughs> so that's a good place to be. In, Absolutely. So. Now, Mike, tell us a little bit about um, you transitioned from the military and got out and did you always know you wanted to go right into business for yourself or did you have any fear about starting out on your own because you're looking at what replacing a regular paycheck with sporadic and or non-existent income from building your own business did you have any fears along those lines i i think that i've heard you ask other people that question and yeah. i think that's maybe the one that i was the least looking forward to oh no <laughs> i'd say i generally find myself to be fairly risk tolerant Okay. And and that helps. That definitely helps. Yeah, but I but I think it's almost from kind of like uh being a little bit naive or or maybe ignoring the risk more than I should. I think I didn't appreciate how much that earning revenue really is a critical part of running a business. And so I'd had a situation where I could kind of be comfortable and complacent and if I didn't hit my revenue goals it was really no big deal and I think in retrospect that really turns out to have have hurt me a lot more because it, it, like I said, it just let me be complacent and not reach out for that. I think the military is a really interesting example because in the military, they have a very strong focus on leadership, but sure. the hardest part of leadership is that vision and coming up with the mission. And in the military, they give you that. There's never right. a question of what you're trying to accomplish. True. When you're in a business environment, that's the hardest part. And even with the, mil the military training on leadership was extremely valuable, but that was the implementation side. They, once I'm in business for myself, now I've got to come up with that vision and know what I want and know what my goals are and know what the value is that I'm able to provide to people. And that's the hardest part from a leadership standpoint. Sure. And I think that's well, the part that I was least prepared for. Well, and you know, it's, it's hard sometimes, especially when you're in the military and you've got this, the structure is so well formed and you get to a point where, you know, the minute somebody says, uh, go, you know exactly the six steps you're supposed to do to carry it out. And you know what? No one's doing that in your own business. No one's saying, okay, now today's the day we're going to pull the trigger on this or that or the other. You've got to decide all that. And it is overwhelming. I always think about, even in my own situation, sometimes I feel like I'm almost waiting for someone to give me permission or I didn't think about that because it wasn't even on the realm of possibility of what I could do. You know, it's like no one's going to give you permission. Go ahead and do it and just take action and see what happens. So that military background is again and again, I see it with the entrepreneurs I talk to. It's very um 
it's a good foundation for running your own business or, like you say, kind of fearlessly running ahead in, in ignorance and not being afraid to uh, deal with the consequences. Because you feel like you're always prepared to deal with a crisis, I guess, if you work in the military. So it definitely makes a difference. Now, as you got your business started, you started freelancing and kind of creating a job for yourself, like you said. Uh, did you, at that point in time, have any kind of a business coach or mentor, or when did the mentors and the coaches come into your life? Well, I think to some extent that's the role that the Small Business Development Center and SCORE played. Uh, I, I was also going through University of Delaware in health behavior uh. management and taking business classes at that same time, and so that helped uh, later. I, and I've always been somebody to consume books and podcasts and, and mm-hmm. online material to be kind of self-guided. Um, but then as I as I developed the business and, and started realizing that I needed help in, in sales and marketing, I did look at, at coaches and mentors in those areas. I was involved in, mm-hmm. a, in a pretty high-level mastermind group for marketing training for several years. That was invaluable to my business, and, and, mod, and I model a lot of what I do today after that. Good. Okay. Cause we'll definitely get some tips on that. Cause I know that's, that's always a struggle for everyone. You know, every small business, it's where do you put your, where do you put your advertising dollars? What works yeah. best? And then layer that on top of now we have social media making it even more complicated about where do I need to be? And I can't afford to be everywhere at once. So, um, maybe you can kind of shed some light on that when we get to get to that in a little bit later. Yeah, please. Now, let me ask you this. I, we don't, spend a lot of time dealing with your failures on the podcast. I don't know that I would ever get a guest to come on if I just wanted to talk about their failures. But I'm sure you've probably had some either growing pains or lessons that you've learned along the way from a failure or something that didn't go exactly the way you wanted it to that maybe you could share with other business owners that would help them potentially avoid that. Uh, so in terms of like an event or a specific thing that happened, there was a time probably about two years ago where we got involved with a vendor that was going to give us new capabilities that we could pass on to, to our clients. And so we took some of our best clients and some new clients and promoted the service that we, that we were going to have and, and got them on board, signed contracts. And this relationship with this vendor just turned out to be a complete disaster. Oh, no. Costs us tens of thousands of dollars in, in hard costs that we had to pay and weren't able to recoup cost us mm. over a hundred thousand dollars in lost contracts. Luckily our relationship with our clients was good enough that we didn't lose too many of those clients, but we did lose some of them. And we stayed in that relationship far too long. And wow. coming out of that, it, it taught us some really invaluable lessons. I, I think going into that, we didn't have a very thorough understanding of what a lot of our costs were, and, and this experience made that incredibly clear. Um, mm. And then we also <laughs> stuck with that relationship, I think, far too long. And this is an experience that nearly bankrupted the entire company. Um, wow. Took on personal debt to get through it. It took us over a year to recover from this. And wow. going in, I, I, I think we probably did what we needed to do to qualify the vendor. They had a good reputation. But they were relatively new. Um, the, the big mistake that we made, though, is just sticking with it way too long. There were warning signs early on in the process that we could have seen in the first month. That, and it's stuff that I let go for two and three months. And that was just a matter of trusting myself to, to read that situation correctly and make a tough mm. decision to control my business. And I was just kind of ceding control and trusting the vendor who didn't deserve that trust and, and put myself in a, in a bad gotcha. spot. Uh, but what that led to kind of more generally, I think, is 
early on, I didn't understand the cost structure of my business and, and that hurt me. Early on, I didn't understand the value of what I was selling and how much I could charge for it. And in, in business, you can only charge as much as you think you believe at your core that you're worth. Uh-huh. And that's the biggest mistake I see small business owners make is they're not making the money they want to make, but they don't feel the value that they're really providing to their clients. And that's the thing that's holding them back. And then, like I said, with the leadership example from the military, really understanding that mission and vision for your business. And again, that's something that I'm only probably more recently coming to terms with and really taking control of in my own life, but critically important to the success of a business. Let me ask you this, because I know, um, especially starting out, what to charge and and how to determine your pricing structure and your value and all that is very, very critical, especially if you're entering a marketplace, um, depending on the industry, that could be very price-driven. And so you can't, you know, come out of the gate being the most expensive option whenever you haven't proven yourself and that sort of thing. Do you have any tips on just some maybe some guidelines people could use to try to help them over that what to charge hurdle or cost? Yeah, charge more. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Double what you think you're worth, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, charge as much as you think you can get away with and a little bit more until you're uncomfortable with it. and look, I know there are people out there that don't struggle with asking for money and and the money can come to them. And so they're probably not the people that are asking this question. Sure. If it's something that you struggle with, the if if you're sold on what you're doing, if you think what you're doing is worth every penny you're asking for, you're not going to have trouble asking for it and people are going to pay it. If you feel like you're in a situation where you you can't ask for what you want or you don't think you can ask for enough or you or people aren't accepting what it is that you're selling to them. Over and over and over again, I, I see that trace back to something in the in the business owner and the entrepreneur that, that they have doubt. They're introducing that doubt. They're holding back. They're hedging their bets to for some other unrelated issue, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If you truly understand the value, if you believe in the value, if you're sold on what you're doing, then you can inspire that confidence in other people and and that's what sales is all about. It's that process of emotional transfer that I can provide value. I understand what you're going through. I can solve this problem for you. The solution is going to be so much more valuable than what I'm asking because all I'm asking is this amount. Yeah. And you're never going to have to deal with this again. You're going to go and reach your business dreams because of what I'm giving to you. It's an incredible value. Obviously, you can see that because I can see it and I can communicate it to you effectively and you're going to write me a check. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. <laughs> Well, it does. And, you know, there's also um, the the perceived value of the a higher priced product or service and that sort of thing. You know, a lot of times there is there is that, um, you know, I'm paying more for something. So it's obviously a greater quality or a greater resource or something like that. And I know in the online world, there's a lot of, you know, the split testing and try it at this price and try it at that price. And over and over again, you see that you don't really lose revenue from actually having a higher price. Now, you may have fewer people buy it, but you don't need as many people to buy it if you have a higher revenue coming in. So um, do you ever recommend doing any kind of testing with your pricing to see how it goes or you just pretty much roll it out and stick with it? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on, on the structure of your business. Um, yeah. You may not be in a situation where you can charge people different prices based on where they come from or who they are or how, how, how they're exposed to your product. Sure. Um, but certainly you can experiment with 
with sales. You can experiment with premium products. You can experiment with special offers. You can experiment with uh, what you promote to different marketing funnels. Um, so I think there are lots of opportunity for that. And let me ask you this because I know we talked about it a little bit earlier um, whenever you're talking about realizing what your perceived value is and kind of how your business evolved. Um, how did you know in your business when it was time to raise prices? Because I think that is something that business owners struggle with too. I mean you might have the, you know, the hairdresser or whatever it is that has charged the same thing for the last five years and never raised their price. And it's time but they don't really know what the catalyst for yeah. that is. That's a great question. And I think there's kind of, I mean, you can look at it from, you can ask, what do I want? Or you could ask, what do I need? And I mm -hmm. think a lot of small business owners, especially, are kind of stuck in that, what do I need situation? Sure. And mm -hmm. so the, uh, Michael McAllowitz does a book, Profit First, and that's a great yes. principle, pay yourself first. The number one mistake I see small business owners make is not paying themselves. Yeah. And just kind of taking whatever's left over. Well, guess what? There's never going to be enough left over. So pay yourself right. first. Exactly. Exactly. And I think we get stuck in this cycle where we feel overworked, but we don't have enough money to hire somebody, but we don't feel like we can charge more. So we keep doing the work. So the, yeah. so the two sides to that are, are the time and what you're getting paid for. If you're doing a lot of work that you're not getting paid for, stop doing it or get paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> That that's pretty black and white right there. Absolutely. And, and once you have control of that, then it's about what do I want? How how many hours do I have to work to do the thing that I'm selling? Am I getting paid for all these hours? And then mm -hmm. finally, what can I get paid for these hours? And the yeah. more confident we come, we, we're able to be with the value of the thing that we're providing, the more we'll be able to charge for it. If a lot of business owners think that they have to compete on price, and I'm yeah. sure that those situations exist where that's what it comes down to. So mm -hmm. you, in those situations, you get real good at being efficient, being fast, keeping your costs down. Okay, I get it. So many times, especially with like consultants and we, we kind of feel like we have to compete on price because I can't sell it for, I'm charging as much as I can. You're charging yeah, as much yeah. as you feel comfortable charging because you don't understand some of the other dynamics. If you can emphasize right. the value, if you can emphasize the experience, if you can emphasize the return that the other person's going to receive. Don't make it about your price. If you're letting it be about your price, then, yeah, competing on price is all you've got. But if you can make it about the value of the thing that you're providing, the problem that you're going to solve, the experience that someone's going to have with you that they can't get anywhere else, it's not a matter of cost plus. Yeah. Ex no, you're exactly right. It's it's um, it's pricing it based on the, the return that you're giving them. So I definitely and I, I see the same thing and you even see it on the you know, on the business T V shows where they come in and rescue a business or, you know, they take over a business and they talk to the owners and, you know, how much is has your business done and how much have you paid yourself? And they're like, I haven't gotten a paycheck in seven <laughs> months or a year and a half and you just think, Well no wonder they are beaten down, burned out at their wits end and of course they're not managing things the best whenever they feel completely taken advantage of. Absolutely. by their company, you know, so that's definitely good advice. And the big companies don't struggle with that. That's yeah. how the big companies sell. The employees mm -hmm. struggle with that because yes. the employees exactly. think I'm selling my time. So what is my time worth? Sure. That's not the question that the big companies are asking. So if you're finding yourself competing like that, you got to change that mindset so you can focus Thinking on the value. Too small. You're not selling yes. your time. You're selling the value of the thing that you do. 
Absolutely. I love that selling the value. And, and, but when you do kind of flip that paradigm for how you're setting up your pricing, when you see, when you compare it to the value you're providing, many times the, it's glaringly obvious that you are undercharging for your services or your time or whatever it is. So that's a great way to look at that. And that can have a huge impact in itself. I've been in situations when I was doing software development where I was competing, uh, on big projects. Mm-hmm. And I quoted a project at $150,000, $200,000. And, <laughs> and to me, this was huge. This was a big yeah. risk. I was like, man, yeah. can I ask for this much money? This is a yeah, lot of money. You feel bad saying that. Yeah. I didn't even get considered because the other quotes were all for half a million dollars and bigger. So they assumed that oh, I must not have understood the requirements. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And, and that's crazy because it does, it's all about perspective. Yep. And if you're coming from the, you know, big, big business, you know, mindset where they don't mind charging and they don't mind putting it out there. And then you're coming from, I'm, you know, trying to get my compensation for my time and whatever I, else I can add on my cost plus it completely changes the game. So I think you're right. That's a great tip to try to get out of that cost plus uh, mentality for your pricings. This concludes part one of the Mike Sutton interview. Now, part two, which will air tomorrow, is actually where Mike really gets into some emotional stuff that you might not expect in build business building. And he talks about something that he had to discover about himself before he could really move forward. So you don't want to miss that. Tune in tomorrow for part two of the Mike Sutton of Mobilitex interview. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local. 